Welcome to episode 91 of the Switch Mania Playcast. The end of our pre-order window and our final push. <laughs> I mean, we are getting close to that. I it mean, is. The time of this recording, we have about less what? than a week left. Yep. A little bit less than a week left when Series 2 closes and then the FOMO really kicks in for people. <laughs> hey, that, this is it. You know, this is our final final attempt to get the word out there because because we really want to avoid as many emails as possible saying oh i missed it can i still pre-order it um because the answer unfortunately will, will be no and you can get it when we do have it in stock and we're trying to avoid that so we want everybody to be aware barry says when i say if but you know <laughs> that's that's true yeah I mean, in reality didn't... like We've had, as we've mentioned before, we've had distributors wanting to buy up all of the things, and it could very well be, all right, we only have this many copies left, and they're like, we'll take the lot, and then you might have to hunt it around at local game stores or something. Well, it's not only that, but it's also conventions are coming back, and you know we'll, we'll have some copies there um, to be selling. Uh, speaking of conventions, uh, Jeff, you're about to go to one. Yeah, it will be uh, the time of this recording this weekend. Um, we'll be at Southeast Game Exchange, which is in South Carolina. Um, doing going to be doing a series this this convention year of talking about modern retro done right, which is our tagline. Uh, how we are, you know, bringing a modern retro to the Nintendo Switch as a a newer Switch publisher, and kind of going over our whole mindset, the concept. As well as, you know, things like how we're creating some of the items from a creation perspective. So I'll be there all weekend, though, and have a, a booth set up with um, a bunch of games. Not only will I have the Series 1 uh, titles uh, for Super Blood Hockey and Pigeon Dev Games Collection, but I'll have a few of the NES aftermarket games that I've released um, that I have a couple extra copies. When I say a couple, I do mean like two or three like of those, um, including... My books that I've released, which I always save a couple for conventions. So those of you that have been wanting to get Switch Collector Volume 1, you might want to come to one of the conventions we come to because I will always have one or two copies. Yeah, one or two. Boy, that FOMO really kicks in. <laughs> one or two. I mean, I'm I'm down to a, a couple at the house, Barry, and it's I'm bringing one or two. And I have a wooden cover, too. Oh, wow. One of the wooden covers. Shit. Those yeah. are those are very rare. Yeah, so I have one of those too, and it'll be really interesting to see uh, how long stuff lasts because, like, Apeit Steve's going to be with me with his uh, Easy Way Friday Thirteenth book um, that he'll be selling. He has a bunch of those versus me. I have a couple of each, so it's always fun. One. Uh, <laughs> that was me. I, that was I, I, I'm driving. I'm driving. The guy in front of me is like red right green light, literally looking down on his phone, not driving. <laughs> awesome. Of course. I was going to say, uh, one thing I don't know if you're planning on doing, but it might be fun to have at the convention is like an iPad or something like that with access to our webpage because you'll have Series 1 stuff on hand, but obviously you won't have Series 2. And maybe people will want to pre-order Series 2 there at the, the convention. They're not aware well, of it. While I won't have an iPad, I can absolutely facilitate people pre-ordering through um, our point of sale. For Man. our website, we have a point of sale, so I can literally just facilitate pre-orders. I'm actually going to be running a deal uh, for Switch Collector Volume 2 for $10 off if they buy both books. Ooh. So if they buy one and pre-order Volume 2, I'll throw like 10 bucks off or something. You got to hunt me down, though, people. Um, I'll also <laughs> be doing the 
you all find me and we will do um, premium edition selfies. I think anybody who is uh, who's a fan or as a supporter. And so that way we'll we'll do that going forward too. like the premium edition selfies will be fun. Really fun. I like that premium edition selfies. Yeah. And we'll do like a hashtag for it and stuff. Hell, maybe convince me, everybody convince me to do a patch for it later or something. <laughs> <laughs> have to find me somewhere in the wild and get a selfie with well, me. And then does does it have that. to be you, would, would JP or myself qualify in that? Like, yeah. if someone finds us? No, because then JP would just be taking advantage of that. You know, if we open up anything to JP, he will... Like, we tell him, oh, yeah, the de- perfect example. This really happened. Developer says he'll sign a copy. Oh, let's sign all the copies. <laughs> not going to sign thousands of copies of the game, dude. Like, it's talking hours, man. Like, <laughs> we'll see. So, we'll see. What What if it's a convention, though, that, like, you're not at, but we're at, you know? Then that, that's unfair to those people who come and yeah, want to do premium which selfies. Which is exactly why I'm not doing a, a patch for that. Exactly. <laughs> oh. A hashtag for Twitter. <laughs> Just a hashtag. You, well, you heard it here fo- first, folks. I tried. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I failed, but I tried. Hey, we got to... Got to do stuff that we can realistically do, Barry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's can't can't expect the unrealistic, and uh, that's that's something I think as a small company, you know, it's it's great when customers, you know, understand that and appreciate that because we are absolutely doing the best that we can facilitate being a small company and uh, trying to do do good by everybody. And oh yeah, and they and actually. I, finally tagged and shared that i'm going to be attending today <laughs> yes I, uh, I i shared that out as well uh, because yeah. people should know people and that's not the only convention you're doing you're you've got like a, a busy schedule coming up which is great yeah like a couple of weeks from now i'll be in austin at classic game fest um i've been there a few years past prior to COVID, of course um and that's always a really great convention and then I'll be at because like Southeast Game Exchange I've never been to, so we'll see. Um, and then a couple weeks after that will be Southern Fried Gaming Expo out in Atlanta, Georgia. And so both of the two conventions that are out near me are about a two-hour drive, so it's super easy. Yeah, that's that's what I was looking at. The conventions in both you know Philly and, and Connecticut are both about two-hour drives from where I'm at. Yeah, so that, that's easy. those ones might be ones that I wind up showing up to. So who knows? Maybe Jeff will get me out of the house. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I mean, we do need representation, especially at Retro World Expo, because we were invited, and there's going to be a lot of big names there, and a lot of people that attend, and I have a prior commitment to Midwest Gaming Classic. Yes. Same weekend, so it's like, I can't be in two places at once, and I'm, yeah. Well, well, the tentative schedule right now is that, that JP and I will be attending that one. Nice. So that one's that one's super fun, too, because I've been, I've been to that one as a a guest doing a panel and I was ridiculous. I remember that the year that I went last time to retro world, uh, there was a, uh, a seller that had a complete sealed TurboGrafx 16 collection there for sale. What was his asking price? Reasonable. You don't he know. had it all pieced out. So I got uh, Lords of Thunder sealed. I got, I had a bunch of stuff. Oh, I, I was thinking like the whole thing, like one lot kind of deal. No, we're at a convention, man. You gotta sell stuff, <laughs> products. When was the last time you were at a convention, Barry? <laughs> nobody does. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, nobody does lots. Have you ever been to a convention before? No. <laughs> no, it's like it's like one of those things where you like you had it all out there and they're all brand new and it's ridiculous. 
That is. I I picked up um, Newtopia too as well. That yeah. that and I bet I bet the prices now like you got to steal like I'm sure they're like three times oh, what they were. Oh, more than that, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like my prices were great. Now it's like no way. The the times have changed. Times I, are ridiculous. I was actually uh, looking. Last night, on uh, I was going through Facebook, and one of the groups I'm in is a Vita group because I am a Vita collector as well. And someone posted that they got two of two of the final three games that they were really hunting for, and there was no way they were getting the the their third one. And and I was like, what what could it be? You know, what is the third one? Is it one of the ones that people know about? And uh, it was one that I, I I remember getting. I think I paid like a hundred for it back when I was going for my set. It's in Asian English, so it never got over here. It's called AW Phoenix Fiesta from Bandai Namco. Yeah. And that thing is over a grand. Oh. Like, what? Why is that over a grand? What is going on? This is insane. Welcome. It's just insane. <laughs> Welcome. So, who knows? Like, I feel for all new collectors, and and I feel for all collectors that want... You know, things because like it, it's one of those things where do you jump now before things go higher to get the games you really, really want? Like this isn't the time to say, oh, you know, what? maybe I'll get this on a whim. Like this is like if you're going to buy games now, not at garage sales or something like that, you're going for the ones you really want, the, the sets you want or the series you want. Do you think this is coming down? Because this is still going up and we're now on the knock on wood, the other side of this covid thing. Things will hopefully only get better. People will only be healthier. People will be going back to work. Do you think that these prices are going down, or you think this is the new normal? Uh, so there was always, you know, being a former Nintendo Age uh, member when that was still a thing. There was always the posts about the bubble going to burst, uh-huh. <laughs> and the bubble increased and swelled to the point where we are now, where the hundred dollar games went to thousands of dollars. So to me, only it's only going to help if, if the interest goes down. Is the only way that the prices are going to go down. Like the interest completely dissipates. The problem is, is that even those, especially when it comes to like Nintendo products, people get nostalgic for like all of the things. So even if they're an N64 gamer or a GameCube gamer, they're still going to want those franchises on the previous systems. And then they start getting into the entire collections of those systems. Yeah. So and and the boxes were finite back in the day because nobody held on to them, which means mm-hmm. the finding them CIB or sealed is turned into the premium, which is where it is starting to fluctuate is toward that sealed market. It's getting insane. And me getting a hold of a bunch of sealed games back in the day, it's like I'm sitting on a damn gold mine now, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I'm not like I'm not didn't buy to invest. I bought because I enjoy it. I'm nostalgic for it. So it's like, yeah. well. It's cool, but is a thousand dollars for this sealed game cooler? Probably because I can still play it. I, I still have everything that I have CIB cartridge only. I still have the games. I just got the boxes because I was able to get them, or the the sealed games because I was able to get them. Like I have a mint perfect Friday Thirteenth. Like and I just came across it as an upgrade from I had it CIB. I already have a CIB copy, so it's like, do I sell that and get it water graded and do that whole heritage thing? I mean. If I that's, find the time, that's a whole nother caveat. And, and I think that's, that's one of the things that's spurring this bubble is, you know, the, these big collectors, the, like the, the, the ones that are not necessarily game collectors, they're just the, 
the the big time millionaires that just go into different fields have now entered the video game field and we're seeing sealed nes games going for hundreds of thousands of dollars that obviously we wouldn't have seen before but that has a ripple effect because people will see these ads on facebook these these clickbait articles oh you know your games could be worth millions and now everyone thinks their games are worth millions and (laughs) puts it up and and then people start panicking and selling and buying and and yeah we've seen the price uh just continue to rise and even the switch now think (laughs) about it though with the nes market the heritage auctions there's been rumors of shill bidding or oh, yeah. uh, manipulation of the market. None of it's been proven, but it's out there. So if that ever does prove to be true, that could cause a serious uh, depletion of how much everything is is worth and the prices would come down. Your rare games, though, I've, I've said it, you know, years. The rare games aren't coming down. Those are going to stay. It's going to be our, your commons, your million game producer, millions of games produced titles like your Mario 3s and things that are going to come back down in price because they're, they're out there. But if nobody sells them, then when it pops up, people are going to snatch it for whatever they can get it for. Like it's That's the necessity. That's where it's going to keep. And then your transition to the Switch, that becomes, that. that's where it's the way that I collect becomes dangerous mm-hmm. because I don't buy everything day one like you and JP do. And so, like, now I'm sitting here with, like, year one titles, year two titles that I didn't pick up that are going up in price. Like, the first one was Lovers that went up from oh, Super yeah. Rare. But, like, now it's even stuff as, like, third-party titles that were in Best Buy um, that are, like, going through the roof. First-party titles that are going up in price slowly. Um, it's just finite stock because of these Switch minimums that we talk about with Premium. You know, every publisher goes through that. So when the finite stock comes out, they don't necessarily put out infinite games to keep them on the shelves like they used to. Well, that was also one of those big things when the Mario, you know, 3D All Stars came out. People were panicking because of the limited physical until March, and and while the limited digital, I still think is stupid. The limited physical wasn't anything new. Every game has a limited production run whether it be for 5,000 units whether it be for 5 million units it's still limited eventually ends and mm-hmm. a lot of these third parties are doing you know very small runs uh especially in america with with certain titles and they don't expect them to sell or they'd be happy if they sell out and when they do people will sometimes clamor for reprints uh i think altier riser was one of those right uh with uh, from i was a tecmo and we were like, oh, please reprint it, reprint it. And they reprinted like the PS4 and like, come on, reprint the Switch. And you have to understand, a reprint is, you know, a thousand, two thousand, whatever they're going to do. They had to make sure they sell that. And that's mm-hmm. the that's a problem. They might not sell it. Even, even if there's 50 people on Twitter saying, please reprint it, you print a thousand, you sell 50, you're sitting with 950 uh, that you may not sell. You're not going to at least recoup your cost at that well, point. Also, think about the change of the market, especially since COVID, where even our game stops don't look like they did in 2019. Oh, God, they look terrible. Our, our Best Buy is now like they don't have movies or CDs that much. They have some movies, but their CDs are gone. So yeah. they're like restructuring too to where like video games are like the, the last medium that we're going to see over there but that also means that they're not going to be buying as much not buying Mm -hmm. as many of every title across the nation which also is going to affect the production so that's Mm -hmm. going to affect the stock available on some of these games so Mm -hmm. like your 
And I mean, even Mario 3D All Stars that you know that or not 3D, yeah, 3D All Stars. Yeah. It went up in price. It's it's it went up because or it went up in sales numbers because of the FOMO. But I mean, they're not available, so prices are going to go up. And it's, ah, it's, it's a wild, <laughs> it's like a wild west, and it's really interesting to see this hit all all sides of this retro and even even before. 2020 happened there was this phenomenon that happened in collecting in game collecting especially uh what i called a renaissance age and it was 20 years after a system came out that system's library and the system itself had a renaissance it it went up in value because those that grew up with the system (laughs) 20 years later are now in their 20s they have some expendable money and they want to relive their childhood we saw this with the nintendo we saw this with super nintendo we saw n64 and all the subsequent generations and gamecube which was 2001 uh you now you're looking at 2021 so now you're at the 20 you know that 20 year mark and gamecube prices are through the roof playstation 2 prices are shooting up xbox prices are shooting up it's hitting to that and it's even honestly it's, it's affecting, already hit up ps3 yeah i was gonna say it's well ps3 was also because of sony pulling the digital storefront um, which yeah. they reversed that that obviously shot up the price but even if you look psp has shot through the roof uh, and uh, and now you look at even the Wii, the Wii library. Some of the Wii games have shot through the roof. Uh, it, it's crazy. And, and uh, Xbox 360, same thing. Uh, so it's it's almost coming to like that 15 year mark now. Almost. It's so weird. And uh, it, it, I think think the COVID has certainly added to that. People having more money because they're staying home. They're not traveling. They're not spending on gas. They're not going on vacation. Uh, and and of course the the big investors getting into the the uh, market and into the hobby uh, certainly aren't helping. But again, it really depends on your status as a collector. Uh, you know, it, it's helping you if you have a big collection and uh, you want to move it, or even if you don't want to move it, but you already have the games you want. It's helping you. If you're, hey, I want to go for certain subsets, like, hey, I want all the Castlevanias, and or I want all the Contras, or I want all the Zeldas and the Marios, and you don't have them yet, it's actually hurting you because those are what people are going for now. I'm noticing a lot of people yep. are, are, are going away from going for full sets because of the expense, but they're doing smaller subsets. All the, you know, all the Capcom published titles or the Konami or the, you know, the Nintendo or the, the Sega or whatever. And, and then the subsets first appearances. Of first appearances, stuff like that. Uh, all the Mega Man games, like, that stuff is really going higher than your standard, you know, 1942 on, on NES or 1943 on NES, unless you're going for a Capcom set uh, or subset, you know, that, that's not going to be on your radar. Whereas if, like, look at Shantae. Shantae is a prime example. It shot up because people say, oh, there's only five games in the Shantae set. I can get them all. And, of course, there's the one that's the the kind of like the bottleneck, which I think was Risky's Revenge. Yeah. Uh, it was that one or Pirate's Curse? I forget which one it was. But uh, that I one was thinking shot. off the top of my head, it was Pirate's Curse, but it might it, be Risky's. I I, it was, I think it might be. I know it's one of them. Um, it, it was the you know that one shot through the roof, and now that bottleneck is like, what do we do now? The PS5 set are coming out, and people <laughs> are clamoring for the PS5 set again. I it's like to sub- see that the people surprised. They're like, oh, I'm so disappointed. It's not a collection. Which honestly, they all could fit on one PS5 disc, but um. But that's not what Limited Run does. They want to release every game individually. Did, did they put that the, out. Did you see the latest thing they announced for Shantae? Uh, the statue. Did you see collection? the statue? Yeah, the statue collection where it all fits together. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so for there, those of you that hey, haven't seen I have, I have heard this on other collector podcasts. Limited Run is really good at making money. Yes. <laughs> so for those of you that haven't seen this, Limited Run is putting out a statue of Shantae at a later time. And the statue is going to have five little slots in front with that are lit. Lit slots. And in those five slots, you can put an acrylic standee for each of the five games and they're completing the statue. How do you get those acrylic statues or acrylic figures? They come from the collector's editions from the five games, but only in the PlayStation 5 collector's editions. So if you already got the Switch ones or you already got the PlayStation 4 ones previously, you're not going to have those acrylic standees. So you can get the statue in it. It looks great on its own, but it's not complete unless you get the PlayStation 5 collector's <laughs> editions of all five games. Oh, they're they're so hilarious. They're so good at making money. I love it. Did you see the car <laughs> did you see the trading cards thing they did too? Mm-mm, no. So there's a trading card set. You can go to their website as of this recording and see it. It's going to be open pre-order. It's a $20 set. And if you look at the image, you'll see all 13 cards in the set. They look okay. great. They look pretty. And they're all nice and gold. And then when you read it, you find out that the set is actually in silver. And you will only get one gold card at random, which will be the front card of the pack per set but if you buy 13 <laughs> sets they will ensure that you will get one of each in gold plus if you, you get buy sets. 13 and they're 20 dollars a piece they're 20 it's 260 dollars to get yes, 13, one gold set and 12 silver sets of the cards so good. they're so good at making money so these are real <laughs> things that are going on right now like you know there's people doing it oh yeah like i'm that's cool i'm not interested in that but there are people anybody who's committed to a limited run set you all are asking for it because they're just gonna go crazy with it because they can and i i can't blame them like i'm not going to do that with premium but like i can't blame them they're (laughs) how many how many silver sets of these shantae cards you think are going to be in ebay from people buying 13 of them for a gold set and they'll probably keep a silver set and then try to sell off 11 other sets (laughs) recoup their cost you know even if they sell 15 a piece but how many you think will be doing this Oh, I hopefully not many. I mean, they're doing it because they're milking that cash cow from that. That's just oh, that series. That that Shante money. They're just see they're doing skateboards. They're having three hundred skateboard decks. And yeah. two, two I uh, mean, that's just them being hipsters. Like <laughs> they're gonna do all that stuff. I mean, they're same reason why like people were surprised that they signed plumbers don't wear ties, but it's like they want all the F and B games, so they're gonna do that. They're hipsters. They want. But see. I, I, I like that. Plumbers Don't Wear Ties is a terrible game, and it's mm-hmm. it's so Horrible. bad. It's good in that mm. sense. Like it's, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with them bringing new games to the Switch. That's not milking it to me. That's just bringing another game to the Switch. I'm fine. No no problem there. I don't, I don't know if that game would have even come to the Switch had they not stepped in and done anything. No, it, it wouldn't have. No. And But the thing is, is like bringing stuff to the Switch is cool. Their other stuff is hit or miss. Like They're going to... They're probably going to sell more copies of Rondo Blood on the PC or the TurboGrafx CD than people who own TurboGrafx Studios. Oh, um, for sure. Because there's only a few of us that actually have functioning ones. So, <laughs> like three in the country. But, uh, oh, three of us. There's like three of us. Um, but that being said, though, they're going to sell so many copies, they'll remain unplayed. And that just means that the value is not going to skyrocket, but the FOMO will keep the value up. So, it's it'll be interesting to see. 
Well, I don't oh. think the value is going to skyrocket right away, but it's one of those things where, especially like you know, you're talking Castlevania. Castlevania again, it's a subset. It's a long-running franchise. There's there's money there. And I think people who miss out, who come late, late to the party, or even kids down the road, hey, I want to get into the series. Uh, if they if they care about physical, they're going to want it. Now, the offset of that is obviously digital. And if, if a game is too expensive, uh, digital is a, certainly a route. And as a physical collector myself, even for this very playcast, when we did Evo Land. I went ahead and bought the digital for four bucks and I played that one instead of opening up my physical copy because it just went stupid high. So, and and that's the thing is, is like when people would, you know, criticize different companies for choosing games, then they're like $4. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's the preservation. Like it's fine. Um, Speaking of, uh, digital games and preservation we probably should talk about the game of the episode yes so this is another one of our episodes where or part of our should we sign it series and yeah. uh this this was one that jp wanted us to play jp mm-hmm. specifically picked this one because it would make me sick mm-hmm. and jp is conveniently not here again for this episode <laughs> so surprised my surprise voice surprise right face you know, surprise you voice <laughs> so the I'm... game that uh JP picked for us to play was Cyberhook. And Cyberhook came out on June 24th, 2021. It was developed by Blazing Stick. The publisher is Graffiti Games. It is Uh a first-person action platformer with some racing elements. Uh, You're running through these almost like Tron-like levels, uh, doing some crazy parkour, you know, completing different objectives and getting to the goal. Uh, so Jeff, what did you think of this title? So it's really interesting. There's lots of neons in it, which I thought were cool. Um, I mean, it's from like a, almost like a first person perspective, right? So, it is yeah. yeah. So to me, um, felt a lot like, um, oh, what is the game? Like mirrors edge. Yeah. Mirror's edge. Um, where you're like doing parkour on the top of, of buildings. But the thing to me was. Um, you're like jumping all over the place and then latching your cyber hook onto different ledges to be able to pull yourself up. And it's all a, a fast paced run to the edge, end of each stage. You're going to fall and die and restart and continue to go. And you're going to continually make progress. It's really like, to me, it's like a shorter style game, pretty fun. Um, but honestly, I only played it for like a little bit of time because it just didn't grab me like I thought it would. Because like initially seeing them, oh, this is gonna be awesome. It's fit right into what I wanna wanna play in the game. But it just it seemed like it was just like you just go from point A to point B for speedrunners and it just go as fast as possible, versus like there was no like unlockables that I could see. Um it did continually unlock more abilities that you could do, which added to the complexity. Almost like Runner 3, where you started doing the extra abilities, but now it's all in 3D, and the controls weren't as tight as like a Runner 3, because it's more complex. It's in a whole 3D workspace, right? So it wasn't like intuitive to the point where I can immediately jump in and start doing stuff, and maybe I'm just old and I just like slower-paced type of 3D action games. Even Dark Souls is slower-paced. It's... But to me, it just it didn't really connect. Uh, what about you, Bear? 
Uh, so yeah, I I went into this game, you know, expecting to you know be sick. I'm like, all right, you know, so let me just prepare myself. I I use my usual anti nausea stuff to go for it, and uh, surprisingly, I didn't get as sick as I thought, and uh, I actually found myself having some fun with it because uh, it is kind of like exhilarating going through and running through these levels and i found myself trying purposely trying to do crazy stunts like i would jump over the edge and like go under platforms and slow down time and shoot the cyber hook and pull myself back up just to see if i could do it and i was surprised that you know you're able to do quite a bit because you can you can slow down time which which certainly helps to aim your cyber hook and to uh to allow yourself to to pull off some really cool parkour tricks. Uh, my problem came after I did like the fourth level. <clears throat> I, I like after I complete each level, I got like a gym, but mm-hmm. I didn't get the fifth level unlocked. Instead, it kind of like, Oh yeah, here you can do the level select. And I had to find, I guess, more gems to unlock the fifth level and onwards. And these gems, I guess there were two other gems per level that were hidden and I just didn't see them. And I tried looking for them and I just couldn't find them. And maybe I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was right in front of me and, or, and I just missed it, but I couldn't find them. And I think that I, I understand collectibles to unlock levels. I don't get when you create a roadblock like that, because the first four levels are almost like tutorial levels. Each level you learn something new yeah. and then you're like, exactly. here you can go ahead, but they don't let you go ahead. Like if they gave you another like three or four levels and then you, you, you really needed to start looking, at least you can play around with it more because that's literally why I stopped barriers. Cause I the next level didn't unlock. I'm like, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> and one of the weird things is if you say, let's go back to the first level to try to find um, that, that maybe the missing gems, any ability you gained in the second, third, and fourth level, you don't retain. It counts it as you playing through the tutorial again. So I'm like, wait a second. I can't now do these cool things that I was just doing. And that to me was kind of weird. Like I get the first time you're going through not overloading a player, but when you go like that's half the fun is when like like metrovania's kind of deal like when you gain a new ability going back to old areas and see what you can do with that ability and i was really hoping to be able to do that in the first level like let me just go through and use all this kind of cool cool new techniques and and i wasn't able to do that or at least it would let me and uh, i really i actually wanted to play it more and unfortunately because of that roadblock I couldn't. And I understood the whole trying to collect stuff. But th- yeah. this isn't the first game to have this problem. I-, I know one game that I had a problem with and other people did was like Sonic Unleashed had a thing where you had to find these hidden things to unlock new levels. And if you if you were short, you had to backtrack to try to find it. And that kills the momentum of a game. Um, mm-hmm. And I-, I really think for bonus content, I love finding unlockables for bonus content, but not for story. And yes, Mario 64 does that kind of thing too. But Mario 64 is set up where each of the time you go into a you know painting, you are this is the objective you're going for, and you you yeah. have a lot to do. It. It's not like oh you need to find this one or two. You have a lot of freedom to go at your own pace. And it's structured well, and I feel like this could be like it had a lot of great ideas. It it, it played very well overall. I mean, it did feel more indie. It didn't have that you know precise feel of like a Nintendo game. But I, yeah. I feel with a little bit of polish, this could be something really cool. But I think that unlockable roadblock was a real, real hindrance to me because it did stop me from playing more, from continuing. And I actually wanted to play more. Uh, so it didn't affect my, my vertigo and my nausea as much as I thought it would. And definitely as much as JP thought, because he was like, I played it and Barry's going to be sick. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> 
And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do it. You know, like, sure, I'll be a good sport about it. Let's go for it. Let's give it a yeah. shot because we wanted, you know, a developer. And, and thank you to the developers to, for, for giving us the code. Uh, you know, we wanted to uh, – this was presented to us as a possible physical. And we want to hear from you. Uh, you know, anything else you want to add about the game, Jeff? Um, just, I mean, I absolutely – um, you know, go with the same exact sediments of a little more polish. It would have been a home run game. Um, to me, there's a lot missing, but listeners, let us know. Are we missing something? Maybe once you unlock the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth level, maybe something just blows our minds away and might be something that's worth us checking out and, you know, playing further. Uh, so, yeah, so let us know. You either let us know on Discord or, uh, you know, on Anchor. As you can hear, thunder out here. It's getting really <laughs> dark out here. I had to get out of my car. I like saw the lightning. I'm like, ooh, I need to get out of my car. <laughs> yeah, thundering up here too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we're going to get that hurricane winds. Um, so what are we playing for next week? I know we've thrown around a few things, and we got something for two weeks. What are yes. we playing for next week? Uh, next week we're playing Aqua Kitty. Aqua Kitty, nice. Yeah, so that one's like part of a series, yep. and that should be an interesting, uh, interesting game to play. And we're gonna do. Are we gonna do it part of our series? Should we sign it for a physical? Sure, why not? Let's do it. Maybe a series with you know, if if people clamor for this, then absolutely. Nice. That'll be fun. Um, I've also um after playing that, I saw the neons, and I'm like, I saw a game sitting in my backlog, and I started playing it a little bit. We'll do an episode on it later because it it requires a lot. Um, Hyperlight Drifter, I finally started to play. Game that I backed back on Kickstarter a long time ago. Um, got all the codes, got the Super Nintendo box and cartridge for Hyperlight Drifter back in the day. Um, eventually, you know, we finally got it on Nintendo Switch. And I've been uh, playing through it, I think I'm about halfway through the game or a little bit further. Um, I've been doing it interestingly, and that'll be something that'll make for a really fun episode in the future. And you gotta give Barry enough time to play it and JP enough time to not play it, and <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's I, listening to this, and he's probably shaking his fist like, "Damn you, Jeff! I will play hey, it, and then I just won't show up for the episode." Hey, <laughs> listeners can can attest if you've seen JP on Twitter, we actually got JP to post one of the challenges. Now that I talk smack on here, so he listened and then he <laughs> yes. did his super blood hockey challenge. Finally, finally played the game. So I will say, like, he did that because, um, you know, I said I'm not going to be shipping out the patches until you do the challenge for, for Series 2. <laughs> so that is hilarious to me. Um, JP is classic, though. <laughs> well, so, um, yeah, I say we should wrap her up. My wife was texting me that we got dinner, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough um so again just to reiterate your uh, your appearance this weekend for those listeners in the south carolina area yep southeast game exchange i got a panel on saturday at 11 a.m um it'll be in panel room bravo or two however they end up naming it but i'll be in that room uh talking about modern retro done right and i'll also be showing off our deluxe edition of fizzy dev in person so i'm going to bring my copy with to show off 
Nice. Let people see that book because that that book is awesome. And speaking of premium, uh, we do want to take this time to once again remind everybody we have a week left of pre-orders on our Series 2 Robot Name Fight and Demons Tier Plus. So make sure to get those orders in. Uh, If you get the premiums, you get the slipcase, the slipcover. And we still have some retro and deluxe left. So please uh, grab those while you can. I also want to say we do have one more week left of the backer kit or the Kickstarter version of Sunshine Anthology as well. So I just want to throw that out there in case you are thinking about picking that one up. Uh, you have a week it left on that. does have an exclusive case and slipcover. And challenge. And challenge. It has an exclusive full challenge and patch that will be associated with it. We're not going to be making a lot of those because it's only exclusive to how many copies. So, so I might do enough for everybody to get one, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, so so um, keep that in mind. Your T minus one week. <laughs> and on this episode, people are going to hear it started pouring, and I'm outside. <laughs> well, Jeff, where can people find you? So um, you can find me on Facebook and the Twitter at Hagen's Alley at Hagen's Alley Books on Instagram. Everything's available premiumeditiongames.com, and I do frequent the Discord as well, um, just like Barry does. We did create uh, within the last week a Hagen's Alley Books. Um, channel on the discord so that way people can you know ask questions and i can post updates from switch collector volume two because that is in editing can't believe that's in editing that's awesome <laughs> uh so for me you could find me on twitter at hawk hellfire you could find me on facebook and on youtube at nintendo fuse you can find me of course as jeff mentioned on the premium edition games discord so come on in and say hi and of course in the email box of support for premium edition if you have any issues uh jeff even though it's a short one it's still a great episode <laughs> well thanks everybody for listening even though it was super super uber short and we will see you next week as the thunder hits <laughs> <laughs> have a good one everybody later